talent will often get many players drafted, but talent won't get them a 10 or 15 year career. Ladies and gentlemen, have I got a special guest for you? Let me just run through some of the credentials of our special guests this evening. 261 games over two clubs, 34 goals, 2012 All-Australian, 2012 Premiership player. We'll throw in a best clubman, seven Brownlow votes. He was the 11,183rd player to pull on an AFL jumper. He was 191 most games ever in the league. And in my eyes, the greatest number 25 to play this century for the Swans. Without further ado, Ted Richards, welcome to the Lace Out Podcast. Chris, thanks very much for my introduction. And let's, <laughs> let's put extra emphasis on the seven Brownlow votes. Well, that's seven more than this person. Um, seven more than this person in the room has got. I will say something. You have been on a football card. Myself, oh. I have been on a football card. Uh, mine was the 1987 Elastoplast Little League Premiership team, which I think at that stage you would have been, what, four? Yeah, well, very well done. Oh, I've done, I've done, I have done a little bit of research. Just, just for the people listening, it actually took us 20 minutes to get this going. If you've ever tried to put something together over Zoom, don't do it. Either go face-to-face or a phone call because we had five yeah. invitations. I said my Achilles reconstruction was more uh, pleasurable than having to try to get this thing together. But it's been brilliant. Um, more importantly, you've got a lot on your plate. It is a special week we're chatting about because it is the grand final coming up. And as we know, in 2012, you had the honour of being a premiership player with the Swans. Since finishing up, what are you up to now? Yeah, so I, um, I never really felt comfortable as a, as a footballer. I never thought I'd have a 16-year career like I did. So I always had a big emphasis to make sure that I was prepared as best as I could for whenever football finished. Um, there were quite a few one-year contracts in there. So I, um, I knocked over a Bachelor of Commerce and a Master's in Applied Finance. And, and I was one of the few footballers that actually worked while they played. So for the last six years, I worked um, in um, funds management, working under a fund manager, studying stocks and, and loved that. And have um, since moved over to a business called Six Park. And we provide investment management to clients all over Australia. And we do it, um, it's all done online. So um, uh, yeah, I very much love and am proud of my time in football, but I was ready for a, a new challenge in life, which is a bit different. And on top of that, you've got your own podcast, The Richard Report, which we had a, a bit of a chat about. One of the finalists last year for the 2018 Podcast Awards. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's a bit of a, an oxymoron in that a former footballer <laughs> talking about investing uh, is normally like, oh, that's a, it's a very niche market very niche audience, very niche category, but um, very, very, very proud to say that um, picked up a bit of a following. I talk about investment management, I talk about business, and um, it was nominated for a finalist in the category of business and marketing at the Australian Podcast Awards. And um, it was a real compliment. I knew that I must have been onto a good, uh, a good thing where little niche former footballers talking about investing doubled last year when um, Chris Judd decided to um, start up a similar podcast. So um, well, there's now two of us in the, uh, the small and exclusive niche. Well, I have got a bit of a feeling you got in with him before he got in with you. 
Oh yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I've been going now for close to three years. So, um, um, full credit to Chris. So he's he's got a very good podcast. But I, um, um, if you're interested, I speak with uh, footballers like Chris Judd, Joe Watson, Nick Stone, who's a fo- former footballer that many listeners may not be aware of, um, as he played oh, probably thirty or so games with Hawthorne, St Kilda, and Collingwood. I think he was on their rookie list for a while. He's doing fantastic, exciting things in the hospitality world of New York with, um, I think, Nick's up to about uh, 60 cafes over in uh, North America. Um, and Andrew Welsh, who's uh, a name that people may be much more familiar with and his um, property empire. So um, it's, it's kind of conversations with people that come from the sporting world, but also um academics and um other professionals from all around the world and kind of drawing on their skills and expertise and experiences to how we can improve decision making so um your listeners might really like an episode where i spoke with um a professor for the university of pennsylvania the wharton school of business who does consulting works for nfl teams and uh, one of his clients Actually, you can't, you can't actually disclose who his clients are, but, but, but the, yeah, he, he helps them with um, drafts and recruit, uh, recruiting because um, so many people in the sporting world back their gut instinct and they all have views on players and it comes to, back to that money ball philosophy is to remove your emotions from investment decisions or recruiting decisions yeah. and actually... Um, remove them entirely and, 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 and base those entirely on, on the numbers and what the data says. And with technology, we can get deeper and deeper into the data to improve decision-making. So um, I, I'm very biased, but I think that was a very interesting discussion on, uh, and something that we can, uh, I guess, compare back to what we do in Australia. Well, the interesting thing is, is that most podcasts which talk about uh, AFL footballers and investing is actually the complete opposite, how they didn't invest and, they, and, and now they're, they're yeah. doing whatever they can to get past. So it's actually nice to see someone who's, like I said, you, answer this for me. Is there much time, like, but is, do you get much free time when you were playing? Did you get much free time during the week? Yeah, you, you do. You, you do. You get, you get a day off um, a week and um you can spend that however you want to yeah. uh an increasing proportion of players probably do um decide that they're gonna totally rest and i get that because with football comes a lot of pressure to perform each week and, and guys just need to switch off in in whatever way i do think it's poor if blokes that just sit on the playstation or the xbox each each day but um i think if you can just tick over something and, and, and build some skills for whenever you do leave the game, you'll be in a much better position um, for in life. And I, I actually, I don't know why, but I played my best footy when I was busy and I wasn't thinking about football too much. And, and that meant that um, ticking over a bit of study and a bit of work. And um, now at the stage I am of life, I'm very grateful that I, I made those sacrifices. Oh, like I said, when, when, we, when we were first chatting, it was, we were pretty excited to get you on. Let's let's just say that, and then to, and to hear that and to hear that story, is actually kind of cool because, you know, you, you hear you know the people who aren't in the bubble, as you would say, mm. they say oh they get paid bucket loads of money and outside of playing footy and meetings, what else do they do? But I think you're right there. There's that mental that 
mental taxing aspect of it. Are you surprised now that more and more people are coming out with um, mental health issues or were they just as, just as prevalent in your time? And we're only going back, you know, you finished in 2016, so we're only three years from that. But was it just as prevalent, but just no one had a, a, an avenue to talk about it? Or was it? Um, yeah, it's hard for me to say because it's something that's probably not spoken about so openly yeah. um, for, the, for the majority of my career. It's much more spoken about now. What, what I will say is you, you, what gets hard is you drive your own career and the best footballers are the ones that will do absolutely and they need to improve themselves. And often that means on your structured day off means doing things that other guys aren't. So it's very hard to not do anything on your day off. I, for, for the majority of my career and the majority of guys that I played with, it was a day off, but guys would go and do extras. Yep. So you've got to balance up the benefits of going and doing some extras and focusing on recovery and things like that with at the same time going, well, um, let's let's focus in on some other areas for a while too, away from the game. So at the Swans, because you sound like you were pretty driven, but who was the guy or were there anyone that you, when you walked in, even towards getting towards the end, that you just sat back and go, look, I thought I was, I was going hard, but these guys are just that driven yeah. or that focused. How do they do it? Uh, okay, over the 16 years that I've played, so five years with Essendon and 11 yep. with the Swans, I would say the most driven um, player that I played with would be Ryan O'Keefe. Ryan was fanatical um, about every aspect of, of his routine, his diet. He was incredibly driven and, in, oh, as you can imagine, incredibly professional. But um, he, he would look to every aspect that he could to get an edge. In, so much so weighing not just food but every meal like, oh, i don't know i usually have to decide do i go the small or the medium when it comes to a happy meal or something on those lines but is, is, is that how how driven yeah, he, Ryan, he was yeah ryan, ryan was incredibly driven uh, and i mean that in a, a as a as a positive you know oh, I, yeah. I, there's probably a high correlation with guys who you fans may think are talented superstars Actually, their greatest attribute is their attitude and their, their work ethic. So um, Adam Goods is someone that people speak about the freakish talent that he's got and some of the things that he's done in games. Goods he played, for, I think, for 18 or 19 years or something freakish like that. And um, right up till the end, um, Goods, he was one of the first on the track and the last off. It's this fanatical discipline in everything they do is never wavering consistently uh no matter how how they played on the weekend is this real focus in on um, being the best they can and improving each week well one of those guys won two brownlows yep and the other guy won a norm smith yeah you're thinking they might be doing and, and, and do you see the flip side where you just see people who've who are just oozing talent and no matter what they do, they just, they just don't get it. Yeah. And, and that's talent will often get many players drafted, but talent won't get them a 10 or 15 year career. And um, 
it's funny. I, I can, there's no way I consider myself as talented as many other, um, other guys that I've played football with, but I, I, I do think, um, I had a pretty good work ethic. I, I was willing to do hard things. I was willing to do boring things and make the sacrifices. And I, I think, uh, that's why I was, had the career that I did. Um, and who in the modern, modern game would I say right now is, um, Dan Hanabry was an, is an incredibly hard worker. There's, there's, there's many out there. When I think of hard workers and coming from the Swans, it was a hard worker, but from a different perspective, he was one of your premiership teammates, Alex Johnson. Yeah. Now, how many? Five or s- was it five knee recos or s- six? Well, it was five, I think it was it was five knee reconstructions, but towards the end, uh, the knee reconstructions required multiple surgeries because there was bone grafts needed to happen because they'd run out of places to be able to to sew muscle. It was um, what Alex has been through is, is incredible, which is mental resilience, but you're exactly right. Um, That's just his attitude towards football. So even when he's fully fit, he was, he was, you know, he's a key position player that was, was out there running with the best of the midfielders. He's um, uh, very sad with how his AFL um, career ended, but um, someone that I guess even opposition fans look from afar and what a fantastic individual, what a fantastic role model. Well, we were. I was actually at his last game where he did he where his knee went. Unfortunately, it was right in front of us. The last one that happened last year with one of my Sydney mates, and you could just. I haven't seen the MCG go quite well. Actually, I have seen the MCG go quiet many times from a Melbourne perspective, but that's usually because we're getting smacked. But in this case, you could just hear the air get sucked out of it because you just knew straight away what happened. To think that all of this time, and he played, I think, a couple of games, and he wasn't looking too bad. And then for it to happen again, you just like... The mental strength that someone would have to continually do that time and time again... You know, we worry about small little things. This is a guy whose career is virtually stopped again for the sixth time. It, below, it boggles the mind just trying to figure out. And for you to be a witness to that, you must just sit back at times and go, just how do you do it? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it takes a very resilient and focused um, individual. All right. A quick question for you, off topic. Your seven Brownlow votes, do you, knew, do you remember which games you got them in? Uh, I remember I got my first um, three votes in my last game. So that would be um, against West Coast. Uh, sorry, not my last game, my last year. That would be yeah. against West Coast. I got two votes um, against Richmond when I was at Essendon. That gets me up to five. <laughs> I, um, one, one of the best games I ever played, uh, I played on Buddy Franklin at, um, down in Tassie, Captain Gullis. And I was tagged in the last quarter. I got two votes that game. Joey oh, Kennedy got me. Nasty. So that gets me. Actually, I might have only got one that game. But, um, and then I got some votes against St Kilda again when I played on Nick Rewalt. And um, I felt bad about that because uh, Nick killed me that day. <laughs> and I got a brown low vote. Hey, Diesel had 41 in a game and didn't get one. So just yeah. when you get them, you, you take them. Uh, at least well, you can I roll them off. I cars with... Um, Nick one day, and we're just kind of reflecting on on 
playing against each other so 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 often. And he's a, he's a ripping bloke, Nick. And um, one of the th- first things he brought up was, "What about that time you got brown nose?" <laughs> I said, "Nick, I was so embarrassed about that. I've got to take what I can get, but um, to to give you credit, I reckon you beat me." You know, it, uh, well, going on that, you, you mentioned Buddy, you mentioned Franklin, sorry, Buddy, you mentioned Nick. Do you just sit back and go, you know, do you ever take a moment to look back at the players that you were on? Were, were there ones that when they, when you were walking down, just realising who, who you're playing on at that particular moment? Because I know that they would have had it the same way. Like, Ted Richards has played on me today. Oh, well, I, it's very kind of you to word it like that way. When, um, when Buddy... Um, came to the Swans and then the, the deal was officially um, signed off. I sent Buddy a text um, to, to welcome him to the Swans and um, I was very flattered when he replied back going, how good's this? We don't need to play on each other anymore. I was thinking, what do you mean? Like, you don't need to play on me. I think uh, I'm, I'm the one that's getting off lightly here. So um, anyway, that, that was one thing. But what I do remember is um, there's a text message that... Um, Maria Sharapova actually um, read after she won the Australian Open once, and that was Billie Jean King sent, sent it to her. Um, and that was um, champions take chances, pressure is a privilege. And um, I play full back or centre half back, and the reality is it comes with pressure, but it's a privilege to play that position and play that role for the team. Well, we, you know, when we were talking about pressure before we started, because it was a couple of things, and it was quite fortunate. Um, that it's this week because we said that this week, you know, seven years ago, you were leading into a grand final. Do you yeah. take a moment to go back? Like, first of all, seven years has passed already, but in less than another, you know, just over five days' time, around about this particular, about five o'clock, you'd actually have a medal hanging around your neck. Yeah, I. I, I am incredibly blessed in that I, I've, I was lucky enough to play in three grand finals and I won one and lost two. And um, there are many guys that I played football with or and against that had fantastic football careers, but they don't know what it's like to win a grand final. And um, um, so I do get a bit nostalgic at this time of year because it elicits a bit of an emotion in me. Um, games that have happened in the past and, and at the end of the game when uh, whoever's going up to receive their premiership medallion on the stage and do their lap of honour I don't need to actually kind of go I wonder what that feels like because I can say I, I know what that feels like I know, I've still got very fond memories of the, of the whole day I remember that game and it, we were once just you know grand final day mate's house having a few beers as you normally do and it just because Hawthorne were the raging favourites going into that one you were playing pretty good football and down at quarter time your third your second quarter I think you kicked six goals to a couple of these you put yourselves in front but that last quarter was just it was out of control like just you can only from a pressure perspective and we've had a couple of blinders on the weekend from a prelims perspective but from a pressure perspective watching that it was just like are they going to do it are they going to do it and there's two people that stick out to me when I watch that last quarter because if you go back over the last few grand finals, there's always been someone who's popped up probably a little bit outside that you would normally. So last year had Dom Sheed yep. with his goal. The year before, Basher Hooley played an absolute stunning grand final and, and yeah, Norm Smith. Tom Boyd with his tackle on Buddy. 
Did yep. you play? Were you in? The, did you play that game? No, no, that was, I, I, no. That was you retired that yep. year. Yep. In two thousand and fifteen, the two names that come to my mind: Nick Malcheski and yep. Mitch Morton. For two completely oh, diff, two completely different reasons. Morto is such a fantastic story because Morto, um, halfway through the year, thought his career was done and he was hardly nowhere near getting a game. And back in 2012, it was around the time where um, uh, we had, remember the green vests and the red vests? Oh, you've remember? got to love yeah. your sub vest. Yeah, yeah, the sub vest. And um, so Morto went into the grand final um, as being, I think he'd played maybe eight games for us. It wasn't many. Um, yeah, it wasn't many. And, but because he'd every, all of those eight games, he'd always started off with the vest on. He'd played something like 13 quarters. <laughs> uh, you know, which, even though it was eight games. And, um, and he came on, I, I don't know, somewhere halfway through the third quarter and just, you know, one of the best cameo roles ever. And now what is what, Kevin Sheedy used to talk about this. This is one of the few things that I remember about uh, Sheeds uh, when he when he chat with me. But uh, <laughs> Sheeds would always say the great thing about. Now I, I love Sheeds. I love Sheeds. A bit, a bit of a whack there, but what what um what uh Sheeds would talk about? One of the great things about premierships is the reunion. Like it it, it bonds teams to it keeps teams together, and you know. We've got a WhatsApp group from the 2012 Premiership team. We don't have WhatsApp groups together for the grand finals that we've lost. So um, we're going to catch up the, the night before the grand final this year. And, um, you know, to be able to have a, a friendship with Mordo that's going to endure because of something that we shared back in September of 2012 is fantastic. He's back over in Perth, but we still keep in touch because of this, this one game in September. One well, that was the best cameo since Stewie Jew in the 2008. Oh, yes, because, yeah. Like Mitch, who, and in, in Melbourne about that time when he was playing for Richmond, like Richmond supporters are just like, what are you doing? You guys took him on. So you've got that perspective, but then you've got Nick Malcheski kicking the first goal of the game and yeah. then virtually sealing it with, what, a minute and a half, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that I'm was a bit of, and that was a bit of cork out of the ocean stuff too, because it just exactly. another one. At that moment, you're ten points up, minute and a half to go. What what are you thinking? Well, you don't know it's a minute and a half you to go. No, we did. You didn't. No, That's right. No, because we we, I think, well, yeah, we looked at the scoreboard and it says something like twenty nine minutes, and um, you don't want to start counting your chickens because. We've all been to games when it's the, the, the clock's still going at 36 minutes and we've all been to games when it seems to be the siren goes for a quarter at 26 minutes. So you've, you've kind of got this huge margin where you go, I think the quarter's almost done and we're kind of over the line. So we kind of started started to get pretty excited. But at the same time, you know, well, a team technically can kick two goals in 30 seconds. So, uh, and then the siren rings and that's it. Yeah. And that was bloody last game for Hawthorne too, wasn't it? Next, next year, yeah. joined you. Um, no, 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 no. Um, so Buddy kept on playing to, uh, for the Hawks in 2013. Uh, he came across his first year in 2014. Sorry. Yeah. But um, I, Brett Kirk is a, um, 
a fantastic mentor of mine. And, and one, one thing that I do remember, remember that Kirky said to me when we were playing is he said, if you're ever lucky enough to win a grand final, make sure you, you soak it all in. You don't just get straight onto the mm-hmm. crowning to celebrate because it is a, a memory that you'll, you'll want to cherish for the rest of your life. So I think I had a, a, a beer in the rooms um, with the boys. We kind of, um, after we sang the song, it was the players and the coaches went into just the, the small meeting room and just kind of had a bit of a moment and paused. And, um, um, and then I, I, was, I was kind of very well behaved. I, I, I probably didn't have another, another, my next beer probably for another four or five hours just because I, I had my, all my family there and, and I, I just wanted to soak it in. And once it got to about 10 o'clock, I was going, all right. <laughs> yeah, all right. Shackles are off. Let's, let's just go. Well, yeah, let's let's you, just go for it. Well, you're yeah. talking to a bloke who, who lost four. I've lost four grandfathers. Oh. And the last one was by a point. Um, so, yeah, thanks for really rubbing that in because our, our WhatsApp group has a couple of blokes who have, who've won flags and the rest of us are just still dreaming. So, unfortunately... I think I played 20, 23 years, I think it was. And I didn't win one. So you're right. You've got some people who, like I think Jack Graham or someone from Richmond played it in his fourth or fifth game. And then you've got other ones who, you know, Paul Kelly, perfect example, didn't, didn't get one. It, yeah, I know. It, so it absolutely boggles the mind. There's no fairy tale finish in football. Um, some some players get lucky and some genuinely unlucky. Um, so I, that that makes me even more grateful. Yep. Um, I want to men- ask. You brought his name up before, Adam Goods. He, he was playing on one knee in that grand final by the end, and he's. I remember the. the I don't know if it was a kick out of a pack or it was just a. Just threw it on his boot and it just sort of tumbled its way through, and that almost was the catalyst for the, the surge towards the end. As a bloke, you mentioned him briefly, but deep, deep down, what, what do people, what, what did you see behind the scenes that probably the, the public don't or haven't been able to see before, if that makes sense? Well, yeah, in terms of um, how he played that day, I guess people don't realise how often, how often Goodsy played injured. He was able to play close to 400 games because this incredible resilience and mindset where um, he'd go out there injured and just play a role for the team and, and people go, oh, how, how freakish is Goodsy? How talented is he? But his discipline uh, was, was incredible. So um, that's 2012 and the majority of his career. Um, yep. There's so much we can talk about Goodsy from, <laughs> you know, from... We'll do that part two next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then... Um, Unfortunate how it how it all finished off, which has been much publicised. Yeah. Did you watch his documentary? Yeah, I did. I yep. did. And, um, uh, incredibly, incredibly sad. Yeah. I um uh, at the time we didn't we didn't know how to how to handle it. It was decided at the time that we wouldn't speak about yep. what was going on as it um, as it was happening because we didn't want to shine a light on it and um, because people can be sheep and and we we did see that the the more we spoke about it the, the more it would cause it and um, but it got to a point where it was it was out of control and uh, it needed to be addressed and unfortunately um, that only seemed to fuel 
fuel many people. So um, yeah, incredible. It was a, a fantastic documentary, which is, there are many positives to come out of it in terms of the education that it's giving yeah. Australia's and the and Australia and the conversations that are being had around the country, but incredibly sad. Yeah, I think the the thing, and, and we won't we won't harp on it because you know I think it, it said itself. But I think there was some footage of one of the games where they took the commentators off, but they just had the around the ground microphones, and every time he went near the ball, you'd hear the boo, and it was just like it. They, it didn't make any sense, and yeah. I think that was at the stage I went, yeah, this is bigger than it should be but yeah put that aside just focus on the great things that he did too all right a couple quick little things before we wrap up um i want to ask you you're an all-australian player all-australian fullback what does what what does that set oh sorry center halfback apologies um (laughs) what does that um where does that accolade sit in, in everything that you've done, obviously the premierships, yeah, top of the food chain, but everything that you've done. Um, yeah, I guess like, I'm incredibly proud of that, especially from to to come to come from where I thought I was two years ago, where I was just about to be delisted. But in terms of the hot, like I, I just spoke, you know, a few minutes ago about the the, the great memories of yeah. the premiership. And how excited I was of, of, you know, to have family and friends and everything there. The, the night of the All-Australian Awards, I was sitting at home watching it on TV by myself. Like, couldn't be more, like, because they, they do it, you know, in the lead up to the grand final and I had finals to focus in on. So I wouldn't say there's this fantastic memory. What yeah. is exciting about that? is the thousand little things that happened over the course of the season where um, we were able to, to be a part of, um, and, and I was able to be a part of something bigger. So um, the great thing about playing team sport is, is winning together and celebrating with your mates. Yep. And um, I know I've probably given you a bit of a boring answer, but um, it was a bit underwhelming as to kind of the, you're receiving the award because I had other things to worry about. But that's like, you got the Brownlow tonight. So you've got two teams going into this week. You've got Richmond and your neighbours or ex-neighbours up the road being yep. Greater Western Sydney. They're going to be in the same boat where, you know, it's, it's Brownlow night, which is supposed to be the night of nights, but that's probably the last thing on their mind that they want to... And you have to go to those functions at the SCG and look good for the cameras. It, is it just a giant distraction? Do, do you think that they should do it in a different week? Maybe the week but of the, between the games? What, no, I, I think it, it needs to be done now because it's it's the celebration of football. This week is a yeah. celebration, um, but it just it does shed a bit of insight, shed a bit of light for uh, for listeners as to kind of some of the things that pop up for the players this week, which can derail their focus. Yeah. And listeners wouldn't be aware of this. Like if you if you if you think about what is the biggest drainer of players time and focusing right now that are playing in the grand final you wouldn't guess it but um it is grand final tickets because (laughs) if you are phil davis at gws or you are um jack rewald at richmond yeah you are getting inundated 
with text messages from family and friends wishing you all the best, which is very positive, which is very nice, but also saying, is there any chance? Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. And like, you know, the friends and family that, 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 that mean well and you want to help, but at the same time, it, it's something that you don't normally do is just kind of, and if you can put all this to bed early on in the week, great. But I, um, I am aware of, um, I can remember hearing of the story before someone played an FA cup final yep. um, in over in England. And um, it was such a drain for them that they actually, they forgot one family member to, um, to allocate a ticket for. Yep. And it may have been an extended family member. So just before the game started, they were out on the outside of the stadium trying to scalp oh, a ticket. That's... And, you know, and it just puts in the light because, you know, they're friends and family. You don't want to disappoint your mates. But at the same time, you've got a game to play. Well, I think it was, I could be wrong here. I think they had a bit of an article in, on one of the, it might have been AFL or it might have been news.com.au. They might have been Nick Foster. They get 13 tickets. And he's, they actually said that his dilemma this week is, I've only got 13 tickets, which sounds like a lot. Well, Do you remember what, how many we, you got? We used to get guaranteed six. Six. Gar- you get guaranteed six. Two would be free. Yeah. The other four you had to pay uh, uh, 400 bucks for each. Or close for yeah, and you could always put in a request for more. That might have been capped at around twelve or thirteen. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's like this. This stuff's popping up Monday. You need to get the tickets to people Wednesday, and you, you just don't want to. You don't want to be thinking about all this. You don't need that shit, do um, you? I know <laughs> it sounds. I know, I, I know it's significant, but. I'm not talking about text messages that are coming from friends and family on Monday. Yeah. They're coming through the week. So uh, it gets to the stage where you turn off the phone and go, listen, I'll, I'll deal with that later. Yeah. Hi, you've called Ted. Um, if you want to talk to me, press one. If you want to ask about grand final tickets, um, bugger off. Oh, oh yeah. You don't, but you don't think about that. Oh, it's funny. I had actually somebody ask me at work today cause I'm an MCC member. Oh, can you get me tickets? I'm like, hey, I can't because it's still restricted, unfortunately. But the flip side is that if you get caught, mate, the last 14 or 15 years you've been a restricted member, it goes completely out the window. So, yeah, so um, yeah, you can multiply that by, um, by you know, a couple of dozen with the amount of... T- yeah, if, if people do think that you do have a potential uh, sup- uh, tickets. So, grand final this week, your neighbours up the road... I don't know what's the what's is there a rivalry? Are they trying to build yeah, a rivalry? Of, of, no, of course there's a rivalry. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think full credit to GWS and what they've been able to to grow. Um, yeah. People say that it should be easy with the amount of no, um, first round draft picks they've had, but if you look at Gold Coast, they're nowhere near that. So um, uh, we've we've had a rivalry that's been building now for. 10 years and um, uh, I think it's going to keep growing bigger and bigger and unfortunately uh, they've got us right now. But isn't that a nice thing in a, in a way? Because it well, it's, it's a nice thing because it's, it's, it's not so much a rival rivalry. It's not so much of a competition if yep. one team only wins each week. But uh, yep. uh, 
I think yeah, I'm a comp- we're all competitive. <laughs> all competitive uh, beasts, aren't we? Yeah. Um. So the question I have to ask you is, who wins this week? All right. Um, <laughs> and why? Just from a you know superstar, all Australian premiership, seven Brownlow votes. 16 seasons. <laughs> oh, Chris, I'm, I'm going to give like the most boring answer because in you know, investment management, um, <laughs> everyone wants certainty. Everyone wants these guarantees and this insight where there is none. To, to be honest, like, what I do see is there's gains that are dis- determined by um, a, lot of, a lot of luck. There'll be... So I'm going to make my prediction, but... It, once we saw, you know, what happened last year when uh, Dom Sheed kicks this goal out of nowhere to put Collingwood up, you wouldn't say that West Coast no. is a, a much bigger team than Collingwood. A lot of it, you'd, you'd probably say this was a toss of the coin. So I'm saying GWS, maybe that's just because from what I saw on the weekend um, was pretty impressive and they're only going to get better with um, um, uh, the additions to the team like um, Toby Green. But at the same time, Richmond are a bloody good team. So um, I, um, I'm saying GWS slightly. I was, I was fortunate to go to both the prelims and it was just two completely different styles of football. One was just pure talent of a, a young list that seems to have matured virtually overnight against a team that is just so system-driven. It's just complementing styles and... I'm really fascinated by it. I, I, the the heart the heart would love GWS to win. The head says Richmond. Mm. So if it's a draw at full time, I'm very very happy. Yeah. <laughs> what is the latest? I don't think we come back uh, next week anymore. It's, it's no, we don't. Time. Golden time, but I think it mm. goes to whoever. I think it's along the lines of obviously a score, and then whoever scores first in like. You know, what do they call it? Um, super golden time or golden yeah, yeah. time. It doesn't have to be a goal because it goes down to, well, if it was a normal game, whoever scores the most gets the point. Wins. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't thank you enough. Thank you for your time today. I know it's the end of the, end of the, end of the business day and we've had a chance, but you've covered um, an absolute buckload. And, you know, from all of, all of us at, um, at the Lace Out, my partner, Jamie, not my partner, Jamie, but my, the guy who does it with Jamie and, and all the family and that really wrapped to have you here. But more importantly, um, you, you're one of those guys that everybody has a bit of a you know, supporters have a soft spot for. So to, to have a chat with you and spend a bit of time this afternoon, I'm, I'm forever in your debt. So thank you very much for that. No worries, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure, sir. And have a wonderful evening and have a enjoy Friday night with your um, premiership teammates. Yeah, I will. (laughs) No no Snapchats. (laughs) Bye. Bye.